Joe really takes that uh, youth chore, or children's ministry real seriously. He'd been planning this camping trip for months, literally. And uh, I don't know about you, but whenever it rains and it's camping and rain, they just don't go together well. Especially when you got a mob of kids. So just be praying for them that they'll be encouraged and not discouraged. Uh, you know. Good, good. They, they really take them Daughters of the King and Water Boys ministry real serious and really appreciate what they're doing with that. So glad they got to go up there. I'm glad they have a good report. So I got a great message for you this morning. And uh, yeah, it's a great one, I really believe. And actually, what I preach about a woman in the earlier service had just to, actually had it to happen to her during the worship before I talked about it. And then somebody else shared a testimony with me and of how the Lord did the same thing with them, although they wouldn't come up and pray for people. When I invited people at the end who had had this particular experience with the Lord, for some reason they wouldn't come up and, and pray for people. I hope they will next time because, you know, the Bible says freely you have received, freely give. You know, when you get a breakthrough from the Lord, the way you keep your breakthrough is by sharing it. That's why a lot of people don't keep the breakthrough. God will do something in their life and they just sort of sit there and let, let it die in them. But, um, so first I want to begin in 2 Timothy 3.1. Everybody good? 2 Timothy But know this, that in the last days, everybody say days, perilous times, say times, emphasize in plural, perilous times will come. And um, I believe, uh, I don't know, you know, if this, we're living in perilous times. Okay, I want, to, I want to just talk to you about the perilous times for a minute that we're living. I want to just let you reflect on something. The world we live in internationally. Uh, we have uh, North Korea, which is a very aggressive uh, dictatorship, basically starving and killing their people, uh, on the verge of having nuclear weapons. Uh, they have a missile that can reach the United States, and soon they'll have a, a nuclear warhead that they can put on that missile. Uh, we have a nation like Iran, which is run basically again by a, a fundamentalist, Islamic, demonized person who is also in the process of developing nuclear weapons. They don't have a missile that can reach the United States, but they have missiles that can easily reach Israel. And of course, the Israeli government is very concerned about this, and it would not be a shock and should not be a shock to any of us if, if Israel launched a preemptive strike to take away Iran's nuclear capabilities. And if that happens, can you imagine, you know, what's going to, you know, what the that situation is going to create in the world? It could create a lot of difficulties for all of us. Um, and I it wouldn't just would not be a surprise if something like that happened. Um, cuz I don't really think ultimately you can negotiate with terrorists. Um, you know, of course you have the terrorist situation that is a threat to every person. You know, we're, our nation's facing an enemy that we, we've been chasing one man for years and can't find one man. He's a terrorist. It's bin Laden. Uh, some people may think he's dead. He may be dead. I don't know, but we don't know that. So you see the enemy we're trying to fight now is, is a very elusive enemy. Um, all these things are threats to us. Um, think about in our nation what has happened in the last month uh, in the schools, you know, in Colorado. A man goes into a schoolroom, takes kids captive, sexually molests young girls, and winds up killing 
some of them and killing himself. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, we have a man who goes into an Amish school, does basically the same thing. I don't think he actually molested the girls, but he was, according to what the stuff he had in possession, he very much, that was his intent, was to go in there and really bring a lot of disgrace and harm to those girls before he murdered them, uh, which he did murder some of them. We have a congressman, a lawmaker, okay, sitting on a committee trying to, a committee that wants to regulate the Internet and protect children who is a homosexual and is actively seducing young men uh, and was exposed. And by the way, uh, if you remember the word that Dutch Sheets gave uh, for this year, one of the things he said was going to happen is the Lord was going to begin to expose corruption in the government of our nation. And that's pretty serious corruption. Um, this week, you know, just in, you know, we had an article in the paper about the uh, poll that was taken from the teenagers in Mecklenburg County. Um, kids wanting to commit suicide. It's pretty incredible. Kids uh, carrying weapons to school and carrying weapons, you know, outside of school, kids using drugs, um, you know, half the kids in Mecklenburg County, teenagers, have had sex with four or more people. You know, this, those are pretty alarming things that are happening in our midst. And, and this week, in one day, we had three people who were either part of this church or associated with this church was in automobile accidents. And one day, one of them, of course, Melissa's dad, who was tragically killed. So when we begin to see things like that, we realize Paul in these verses goes and begins to describe, the, and I'm not going to go through how people are going to act and, and the attributes of people, but what I'm describing to you is we're living in perilous times right now. We're in a season, a perilous season. And really what we need to do is, is, is come to some revelation on, on this and come to some... And, and, and that's what Paul was trying to do. He was saying to, to Timothy, Timothy, you're living in perilous times. The perilous times are here. Then he goes on and, and, and explains some of that and, and, and jump down to verse 10. And I, this is interesting. In verse 10, Paul addresses Timothy of what Timothy should be doing in perilous times. And he, because he says, but you... He didn't say, okay, this is what God's going to do, Timothy. Okay, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. No, he was saying, no, Timothy, this is what you have to do. Okay, and he begins at that point to address Timothy and tell Timothy what he needs to do in perilous times. Okay, that he's living in. And if you go back and study church history, Timothy was definitely living in a perilous moment in history. He went through some pretty serious difficulties. You know, he, he became the, church, uh, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, which was booming, had a big move of God, and as soon as he became the leader of it, the whole thing collapsed, and people began to betray him, and it was a, it was a big mess. Uh, but, so, but the first thing that Paul begins to do, he begins to remind Timothy of what God had done in his life. Okay? He, began, he began to remind him of, this is what the Lord's done in your life, Timothy. This is what the Scriptures have done for you. This is what God has done. This is how, what's happened. So really what, what the Lord wants to do is the Lord wants to remind people of what He's done. When we, when we get in these difficult situations we're facing things that are, that are worrisome things or concerning things, God wants us, first of all, not to get, get swept away in those things, but He wants to remind us of what, who He has been to us, what He has done in our lives. That's the very first thing 
that God wants to do for us in this season is remind us of those things. Now, if you go on... Uh, well, well, here's one thing that happened to me. Is, is I began to remember some things that happened to me as a child. And they were negative things. And the Lord spoke to me and said to me this. You can either be a victim or an overcomer. Okay? And most, a lot of Christians are victims of their past. Something happens to them and they really never get over them. Their whole life is marred by their past. Their whole life is marred by their past. Instead of seeing and finding God and what happened, the negative thing that happened to them. And you see, God never meant for us, for our past, to really do that to us. He never meant for us to be marred, be hurt and live, and, and live out of that hurt for the rest of our lives. God wants to deliver people and heal people. So that's what he was saying to me. Byron, listen, you can be a victim or you can be an overcomer. It's really up to you. Okay? And that's really what Paul was saying to Timothy. He was saying, Timothy, look what God has done in you. Look what the Lord has done. And then he was trying to get Timothy to see, be an overcomer, Timothy. Don't get sucked in. Don't go sucking down the drain with everybody else. You know, the world's full of victims. Honestly, the church should be the place of overcomers. You know, that's really what we should be. And God really has called us to be that. So, but I do think God wants to remind us in situation. He needs to, and we need to be reminded of people of what the Lord has done. And that's what Paul was doing. All right, then in 2 Timothy 4, he reminds him, he talks about these things, and, you know, he, but now he switches into this mode of not just reminding, he gives them a charge. Okay? So, so that's what the Lord, that's the next thing the Lord wants to do. He wants to charge us. Okay? Not charge in the sense of being, you know, like a football player <laughs> charging across the line. Uh, you know, he's giving him like a, a, you know, command. I charge you, you know, you must do this. He says, I charge you therefore before, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty powerful. Okay? It's pretty powerful when a person does that. I mean, there's, there's, there's authority in that and there's significance in that. And really, we need to take this seriously. We, we really need to take these things seriously. We need to embrace them for ourselves. And not just like, well, that was, that was what the, you know, that was in the Bible, but uh, there's no anointing on it for me. Well, listen, that's, a, that's not the truth. And it says, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. In other words, every person is going to be judged for what, how they spend their life on this earth. Now think about it for a minute. You, as a, as a born-again person, you are not going to be judged in, in whether you get into heaven or not. That's not the judgment for you and I. We're in heaven, man. I mean, that judgment's been dealt with. If you've been born again, you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, if you've leaned on the blood, if you've, you know, if you've embraced Him as your Lord and Savior, that's a done deal. But what you do in this life is going to determine your eternity. God has great things for everybody planned for eternity. But if you waste this life, if you throw this life away, then God is going to... Because it says clearly He's going to judge us for what we've done here. And if you don't give your life fully to Christ, and if you don't do what He's asked you to do with your life on this earth, then you will miss out in heaven. So you're going to spend 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, if you've got great inherited genes... Okay, on this earth, and you're going to spend eternity, eternity, okay? And, and the Bible says there's going to be tears at that moment, okay? Not, and, and, and the Lord will wipe those tears from, from us. And I believe a lot of those tears are going to be our loss there, what we could have had, 
what God really meant for us to have there, we missed. We'll be there in heaven, you know, but we'll miss the fullness of what God had for us. And we really need to see that. We really do, and that's the truth of the Scripture. That's the Scripture, the scripture clearly states that. But uh, So I wanted to just kind of throw that in because we don't talk about the judgment seat of Christ. We don't talk about eternity enough in the church, I don't believe. But he goes on and, and says in verse 2, it says, Preach the Word. All right, Timothy, here you are. You're in these difficult situations. Things are not going well, Timothy. You know, there's discouragement. There's things that are happening. There's disappointment. There's, there, there's these awful things. This is what I need for you to do. Preach the Word. And, 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 <laughs> all right, let me be the old record. What have I been preaching to you about for months? As you go preach, every Christian... Is called to preach the gospel. Every Christian. Now, I know I've said that to you 17 times, times five. I'm saying it to you one more time this morning. As you go, we are all commanded. Every one of the gospels were given the Great Commission. The book of Acts opens with it. Preach the gospel. There's no excuse for any of us not to preach the gospel. That is not a matter of whether does God want me to or not. No, that's not the question. The question we need to be asking ourselves, am I supposed to share the gospel with this person? We need to get a no from the Lord. If he's not saying no, we need to be doing it. You understand what I'm saying to you? Uh, someone asked me very recently this question. Does sometimes you feel like you're not a good Christian? That's what they said to me. I said, no, really, for what I don't feel like. I don't feel like I'm a good minister of the gospel. I don't feel like I'm a good pastor. And that person said, one in the same. One in the same. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're a minister of the gospel. And the Lord was really admonishing me. Because, you know, in my mind, well, I'm a good guy. I, I live for the Lord. I love the Lord. I just don't think I do my ministry all that great. That's the way I was thinking. I just don't do, you know, I don't do what God's called me to do all that great. That's how where I don't feel good about myself. And that person said, one in the same. There's no difference. You can't divide the two. If you're a Christian, you're a preacher. If you're a Christian, you're a preacher. If you are a Christian, you are a preacher. God has ordained you to be a preacher of the gospel. All authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Therefore, go and preach. Go and make disciples. That is not an exclusive call. For, for certain, Oh, well, that's for pastors or that's for evangelists. That's for, you know, home group leaders. Whatever, you, you know, whatever your mindset is. Then he says this. Are you all good with that? That's my little preach the gospel again this morning. And we're going to go after this until it really is a reality because this is what God's called us to do in this season. Uh, I could really go off on that right now, but I'm not. <laughs> All these thoughts start coming in my mind. Be ready in season and out of season. Everybody say in season and out of season. In season now what I want to talk to you about, there are spiritual seasons in everybody's life. Okay? They are times when there is an anointing in your life, there's a flow in your life, spiritual things are real in your life. And there are times when it's not. There's times when it just seems slam dead to you. I mean, just slam dead. I mean, everybody around you could just be ecstatic, worshiping the Lord. I mean, it's awesome. That was the greatest word I ever heard. What church were you at? Well, I was sitting right beside you. For one person, it could be heaven. The next person, it could just be like, There's, where is God? I don't know. Where, where is He at? In season, out of season. I'll come back to that for me. I just want to ride this thing out. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. If you're a convincer, 
If you see sinners that they might need to be admonished for their sin, if you need a person, if you see a person needs exhorting, look, come on, you can do this. With all long suffering, in other words, don't give up on those people and teach them the word. If you got anything from you, if you can teach people, do it. Okay. Then he goes on and says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine." Okay. And let me just say this: the world doesn't endure sound doctrine. Okay. They really don't. But you know what? That's expected. <laughs> you know, it's like people talk about people and we're all them bad people. Of course they're bad. They're sinners. They can't help but be that. We expect people in the world to do that. Where we really have the difficulty is the church, people in the church. We're living in a season where many Christians do not really want to accept sound doctrine. Okay? It says, but according to their own desires. Everybody say own desires. See, we're living in an age where... Uh, everything is focused on the people and what the people want. And let's meet the needs of the people. Let's give them messages. Let's water the gospel down so they can hear the gospel. No! That's all error. And this is what, that's a perilous time. This is what Paul was trying to address. Paul wasn't going to compromise the message. He wasn't going to bend the rules. He wasn't going to bend the word for people. You know, and, and that's, that's really... Now, we need to try to find ways of saying stuff so people can hear it. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to... You know, if Philip Wicker, if he's the kind of guy who needs a two-by-four to hear, guess what I need to do? I need to get the two-by-four out and hit him as hard as I can. You know, but, but if he's the kind of guy that needs a toothpick to, to tap him with, you get the toothpick out. But nevertheless, you give him the truth. You just try to find a way of saying it where he can grab it. You hear what I'm saying to you? But we don't bend it because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. Now, he's just, that's a real sign of times we live in. We really see that right now. Okay? And, uh, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and, and, and turn aside to fables. I mean, that's sort of the, the state. But I want you to flip back up there where it says in season and out of season, uh, Brian. No, oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish it here. But be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. I mean, there's this endurance thing. Do the work of an evangelist. Everybody say that. See, I'm just going to say it to you one more time. The Bible's clear. We must do the work of evangelism. We have no... We, and so I'm saying to you, when we stand before the Lord, I believe that's one of the things He's going to say to them. Listen, I told you over and over and over. I didn't, uh, you know... Jackie Rummage, you may not be an evangelist, but I have told you to do the work of evangelist, Jackie Rummage. I've told you to do that. We must do that. We have no way around that. We have no way around it. I can just imagine this. Okay, I hope this doesn't happen. I'm imagining my mind here. This for, well, let me just pick on somebody that's really great that can take it. Let's pick on Larry Hartness. Larry Hartness is standing before the Lord. And the Lord says, Larry, you know what? I really had this kingdom over here that I wanted you to rule over. But you know what? You were told to do the work of the evangelist. Remember back in the year 2006, all those messages you heard on this, and you just sort of sat there? Really, I, that was me, Larry. It may have not looked like me. And in fact, Larry, I sent that crazy fellow there to talk to you about this, and you wouldn't listen to me. You know, and I know you sort of stumbled over some of it and got frustrated with it, but you didn't listen. But what was really being told you really was in the Bible. And that person showed you over and over in the Bible that you were supposed to do, so you didn't do it. Mm. And, there, and so instead of being the ruler over this, guess what? You're going to be the janitor over all this for eternity. 
I don't know that the Lord would ever say something. I'm just, you know. But anyways, then he says, fulfill your ministry. In other words, all right, Timothy, in season and out of season. In other words, there, the days when the life of God is on you, the days when you're anointed, the days when everything is working great, you're praying for people and God's touching them. Oh, you run into the waiter in the restaurant and you say, Sir, I feel like the Lord just showed me that, you know, uh, your mama is real sick. Oh, well, she is. Will you pray for him? Oh, my gosh, God is speaking to me. Or, Sir, I heard your mom sick. Well, I don't even have a mama. She died ten years ago. <laughs> you know, those days when you don't feel God, fulfill your ministry. Do what I've called you to do. Don't go on feelings. You obey me when it's dry, and you dr- obey me when it's a waterfall. And you see, what's wrong, what's happened with us is we tend to be driven by our feelings. I just don't feel it. And the Lord's saying, no, in season and out of season. Um, I read, well, first let me read uh, Galatians 6, 9 to you. Then I'll tell you this testimony I read. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good. It's another encouragement from Paul. Don't get tired when doing good. And here's what happens. A person who's full of passion doesn't get tired. Okay? In season, you don't get tired because, you know, things are happening. You feel God. You feel God's love. You're excited about doing evangelism. You can tell me to shut up. I don't need to tell you to tell me that anymore. I'm doing it, man. I'm excited. You know, passion's on fire. You know, I can just love on my wife all day when I feel passionate. But when I don't feel passionate, she's saying, what the heck is wrong with you? You're an idiot. Men are stupid. That's what she's always saying. See, passion drives you and it gives you energy. Gives you life, okay? But when you don't feel it, okay? Just because I don't feel so passion doesn't mean I'm not still, still supposed to love on my wife and care for my wife, you know? And as a man, you sort of have to remind yourself of those things. And he says, For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Remember Steve Hill, the evangelist, Brownsville, uh, Assembly of God in Florida down in the 90s. There was a great revival that happened down there. Steve Hill was used by the God Miley to preach the gospel uh, for literally for years. Literally for years he preached. And people came from all over the world and lined up to go in there and hear that man wear them out. Literally. They would line up out in the parking lot for hours all day in the sun. To go in there and hear that man condemn going to movies. I mean, you know, not every movie, but what you watch on television, what you dream. I mean, he would just wear you out preaching the gospel. And thousands and thousands of people are going to heaven over that man's ministry. Thousands of people got saved down there. Thousands of people alive. People would be baptized. I mean, oh, but they had, when we were down there, was an old elderly man in his 90s had lived a sinful life, went down there and, and got saved. He's probably with the Lord now. Young people by the droves saved. Well, Steve Hill said before he did that, he was a missionary in, in Argentina. And he was down in Argentina working with this guy named Carlos Anaconda, who's a great evangelist in South America, who's led, I mean, God's used him in a significant way. And there was a significant revival happening in Argentina. Right in the midst of this great revival in Argentina, Steve Hill went into this period in his life where he was totally dry. God was moving all around him, and he said, I couldn't have told you if God was anywhere near. I felt nothing. 
it didn't touch me. I felt no one. I felt none of God's presence. But I was just doing what I knew God told me to do. And he went through that dry season for a long time, but he kept going. He kept doing what the Lord had told him to do. He kept at it. He didn't quit. Well, guess what he said? What? How the Lord used him down there in Pence when he, you know, that he moved away from down there, not because he was dry, because God moved him on. Gets up there and goes and preaches, and God uses him. He says the anointing that he had at Pensacola when he preached, and so many people got saved. He believed he got it because he's because of this. We shall reap if we do not lose heart, if we don't give up. In other words, he found something when he kept going in season and out of season. He found something in the Lord. He found an anointing, and God used that. To save people. God used that to do a tremendous thing. That's a powerful testimony. Well, the reason I wanted to share this with you was, uh, um, you know, I was looking at my life, and, and this is what happened. I went through this dry season. Okay? Now, I went, it wasn't the driest season I've ever been through, because I went through a three-year dry season one time in my life that was awful. But I went through a dry season. And I, I was looking back at my life, and, I, you know, you know how people, uh, we've got your... your First quarter profits, you know, second quarter profits, third quarter profits. Well, that's why I looked at my life this year. I was looking at my life. First quarter of this year, I mean, the Lord was speaking to me, and I was hearing the Lord, and I was just really touched. Somewhere along the line in that second quarter, something happened to me. I don't know what it was. In fact, I, the Lord told me, because I was trying to figure out, what happened to me, Lord? What, what, you know, something happened. Because I don't sense anything around me. All of a sudden, everything, I've sensed nothing. You know, did I do something wrong? And the Lord said, don't even waste your time trying to figure that out. So I went through this somewhere in the second quarter to this past Wednesday, a, a dry season. I was dry. I, honestly, I have really felt like, you know, I didn't really feel God on anything. Everything was by faith. Everything was like, this is what the Lord's told me to do. So I, and I'm a big believer in this. You just do the last thing you know the Lord's told you to do. The last thing God revealed to you, you hang to that until He shows you something else. So that's what I was doing, and I was just doing it. I mean, I was literally standing out here preaching, and it was like, man, I hope these people the Lord's speaking to them. I hope they feel the Lord, because I don't feel God nowhere. If God was here in front of my face, I couldn't tell you He was here. It just, there was no connection with me. It was just, I was just trusting God and obeying Him the best I knew how, and not quitting. And this is what the Lord said to me. This, I don't know what happened to me. I woke up Wednesday morning, and the Lord spoke to me, and this is one thing He said to me. It was like God was saying, listen, you did it. You did. You were. You kept doing what I told you to do out of season. You just kept doing it. That's what I wanted you to do. And it's like God was saying, you know, attaboy, you know, or good guy, you know, I'm glad you did that. You know, he was really being nice to me, saying you did what you were supposed to do. And that's all you are, you know, required of you is you just... You just kept going, even though you didn't feel like it, even though you didn't want to, even though nothing seemed like there was no feedback to you. You were just trusting me that you were doing what I was supposed, you were supposed to do, and I'm happy about that. And uh, I had this um, this vision. Well, no, first is I heard this word, okay? And this is, you know, this is how I heard God speak to me. It wasn't one of those, you know, how sometimes you hear God inside of you, hear Him in your mind, so to speak. You're, you know, you sort of, you know, this is one way you hear God is you hear Him with your, your voice. You hear in your mind, you hear God speak to you something. Just, or you may see a mental picture or something like that. But this is one of these voices like was over here beside me. Okay? 
It was beside me. It wasn't audible. It wasn't like an audible, but it was a voice I heard in my spirit, man. And the word was advancement. That's what I heard, advancement. And when I heard it, then immediately I saw myself standing. I was just sort of like standing here, like, you know. And I saw this big glob of oil come down out of heaven and hit me on top of my head. And immediately, in myself, I was aware of myself, immediately I felt this dryness go away from me. Immediately. Okay, I, I immediately sensed the presence of the Lord like I hadn't sensed in a long time. Now, it didn't mean during that time I didn't feel God's presence. But I'm telling you, I knew it was like I walked out of, you know, out of, out of the cold outside into a, a warm building. Something There was a climate change spiritually inside of me. Okay? Are y'all with me? And that was right after the Lord told me, you did what you were supposed to do. Okay? I'm, you know, in season and out of season. All right, then the Lord gave me Psalm uh, 92, verse 10. Okay? Psalm 92, verse 10. And it says, But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. How do you, would somebody like their horn exalted like a wild ox? Uh, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Okay, I remember that verse. That verse came to my mind. I've been anointed with fresh oil. I didn't know about the horn thing. So, um, well, if you're like me, I'm thinking, well, what is this horn deal, Lord? <laughs> what does a horn mean in the Bible? You know horns mean something. How many in this room, honestly, would like your horn exalted like a wild ox? Would you like that? Well, I, I said, Lord, you know, I don't even know what that horn is, but I want it, anointed. I want it to be exalted like a wild ox. Because obviously that's a good thing, you know, because this is a good context. So I, I went and, you know, went to looking up what horns symbolically mean in the Bible through all these uh, Bible dictionaries that I have on my computer. But here's a, you know, you can give 900 definitions and stuff, but this is a concise one. As horns are, to the, are the chief source of attack and defense with the animals to which God has given them, they serve in scriptures as emblems of power, dominion, glory, and fierceness. And the Lord, here's what the Lord said. I want that word advancement. God wants to give people momentum in their life spiritually. In other words, God wants to bring a breakthrough in people's life. That's what He did for me. He, in a sense, exalted my, exalted my horn like a wild ox. He released something to me spiritually. It gave me energy. He gave me an advancement spiritually. He gave me energy spiritually that I didn't have. You see what I'm saying to you? God wants to do that for people. He, that's really what He wants. That's what they, when He said momentum, see, He was our advancement. We, we think of advancement in term, versus a horn. You know, we think a horn like a wild ox. What does that mean? Exalting. A, but we talk in terms of advancement. We talk in terms of momentum. That's sort of, you know, the modern words. If, if those words would, could have been used in the old days, that's how they would probably plug those words into that instead of saying that. But that's how they said it. God wants to propel you forward. He wants you to have a breakthrough in your life. If you're in a spiritual dry season, God's saying, I want to bring you out of that dry season. Now, I'm telling you this because I felt like when the Lord was showing me that, it was not just for me. I was just representative. Okay? And it was confirmed to me this morning when there was a lady sitting in here doing worship, and she came to me and said, Man, that happened to me during worship. I have been in an ultra-dry spell for three years, and during worship this morning, I felt a breeze come into my life, and it broke that dryness. And then you talked about it. I knew God was speaking to me. And then, you know, Marlon testified that he had an experience where the Lord broke him out of some dryness last week. Uh, and Becky had testified that Rhonda had just been in a major dry period in her life. 
God wants to do this. And this anoint, I've been anointed with fresh oil, okay? Um, anointing, you know, again, and everybody knows this symbolically, the anointing with oil was a symbol of endowment with the Spirit of God. In other words, God wants to bring a fresh anointing on your life. He wants to put His Spirit on you in a fresh way. A fresh way. Now, here's the truth. We've heard 9,000 messages on breakthroughs. We have heard 9,000 that God's going to do something. People get disappointed over and over and over. But I'm here to tell you, I don't know if it's going to be something. I mean, it wasn't like no bells and whistles went off in my life. Okay, but I do know this. God did something spiritual in my life. That lady who spoke to me this morning, I believe it was real in her life. I believe it was real in Rhonda's life. I believe it was real in Martin's life. God's not going to do this. He did, we're in a time now when people have gone through some stuff. People have gotten into some dry seasons in their life. And God, I believe there's an anointing available. Because when I saw that oil dripping off of me, I knew the Lord was saying, this is something that He wants shared with other people. And that's why I'm giving you the, this sort of off-the-track message this morning. I'll admit to you that. Um, also, the anointing was for refreshment. If you go and study all the... If you study anointing in the Bible and go through the whole Bible and look at different ways when people got anointed, one of them was for people to be refreshed. God wants people refreshed spiritually. He's really looking to do that. It doesn't mean you're going to come in. May nothing change in your life, but you feel refreshed. God is interested in refreshing people. It also was used to purify the body. God wants to purify some people, help some people deal with the sin in their life, in other words. If you've got sin in your life, this anointing will destroy that thing in your life. Because here it is. This is the truth. When you're dry, sin is a lot easier to give into, isn't it? Let's get truthful here, right? When you're dry and you don't feel the Lord, it's easier to sin. I mean, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. But when you have the anointing in your life, when you have God advancement in your life, when He brings you to end season, you know, there's a whole lot more where you feel like you have a whole lot more grace really to live above these things. Also, of course, we know uh, anointing was for healing the sick. It could be healing released or healing of just wounds in, in your life. Uh, we know the shepherd in the Psalm 23, he anoints my head with oil. We know the shepherd would, uh, and they do, this is literal, this is, this is what they do, they still do it. It's the shepherds anoint, put oil, and it's a real thick, viscous oil. It's not just like olive oil like we see it, but it's a thick oil they put on sheep's heads because sheep are, especially over in that Middle Eastern country, they're plagued by flies. And these flies will get and bore down into these, the sheep's uh, hair and skin and lay these uh, larva, you know, flies, maggots, basically get born into them and they get into their ears and get into their eyes and just really literally destroy them. And so what the shepherd does, he anoints their head with oil. He puts that on there, and it protects them from these flies, which really speak of the demonic things that happen with us, that we're just being hit by stuff constantly that's nasty and negative and awful in the world we live in. And this anointing will protect you from that. You know, and I don't know about you, I like a little protection from stuff. Because <laughs> we're living in a very evil world, and we need God to do that for us and help us and it also has the healing properties for the, the wounds and stuff on the, on the sheep. So the last thing was Psalm 133. Um, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, first of all, we're talking, this scripture talking about you know, unity. I'm talking, you know, Holy Spirit does unity. 
man, man's unity will fall apart pretty quick. Okay, so we're, but I, this, it's this other scripture that really blessed me in verse 2. It says, it's like the precious oil upon the head. And see, that's what God wants you to say. He really wants to put the oil on your head. He wants to give you a breakthrough. He wants to bring you out of that dry season, that in season, out of season, the out of season. He wants to bring you out and bring you to the in season. Okay? That, and, and it's a personal thing. Okay? It's a personal breakthrough you can have. You really can have it. And it can be, and I believe for our church, that God wants to break, have a, we need, you know, we need a breakthrough, Lord. We don't need to see people in our church, you know, in car accidents. We need to be protected. We need, you know, we need breakthrough, Lord. Uh, running down on the beard, the head of, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. In other words, it's not just something, you know, for your mind, you know, for the spirit of man. It's for your whole self, your whole life. Every area of your life, God really wants to help you. He's inter- That's the kind of shepherd we have. He's interested in this. Okay? And then he talks about, it's like the dew of Hermon, which in that climate, the dew is real important because it doesn't rain over there much. So, you know, that dew is what refreshes the earth every day and brings life every day, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Commanded it. Life everyone. That's what God wants people to have. He wants people to have life. There may not be a great revival right now, but you can have a breakthrough right now. You can come into a time spiritually where you're alive and you're refreshed in the Lord. You really can. You really can do that. And so uh, the reason, you know, this is the reason I gave this message today. See, I'm a big believer in this. I believe the Lord wants to do this in people's life. And you really... So I want to ask, is anybody in here in a dry season in their life? Raise your hand. Okay, well, come on, raise your hand. Be truthful. Don't be liars. Don't be, don't be chickens. Okay, because this is the truth. I, I gave the analogy of the eagle. You know, the eagle. You've heard this, and this is, but it's a true analogy. Eagles can actually get it. They get so messed up. They'll go through things. They'll get so messed up. They'll start acting like chickens. They will quit living up on the high places. They'll get down there, and if they find a chicken pen, they will go down there and start living with chickens, and start pecking around in the chicken manure with chickens. I'm serious. Packing around in the ground. And see what? And this literally happens. Other eagles will fly by and see that stupid eagle down there thinking, what in the heck is this problem? You ain't a chicken, idiot. So they'll go and grab a rabbit or something, kill something, take it down there and flop it down there in front of that eagle. Like, this is who you are to get the eagle to see you don't belong down there. You belong up here with us. You know? And that's really where a lot of Christians are, is we're eagles. We're not chickens, but we forget it. We get so messed up in our lives. And we forget, oh, I don't belong here. What am I doing down here? I don't belong down here. I belong up there in the house. I'm getting out of here. And they, and they will literally get them out. So, all right, now, who in here uh, besides Marlon has had a recent breakthrough in this area? Raise your hand. Anybody else? Come on, raise your hands again. Keep them up. All right, all right let's say y'all, y'all come on up here. First of all, who's had a breakthrough recently? I want y'all up here. Because I'm a big believer in freely you have received, freely give. I heard a guy preach a few months ago, and he was talking about breakthrough. You know, he was a, this was a preaching rascal. He was saying, you know, it's one thing to get a breakthrough. Everybody wants that. It's another thing when you get the breakthrough to keep it. Well, here's the secret. I, you, you're bound to know this one because I've told you this a hundred times. Freely you have received, freely give. 
Anything God gives to you, if you want that to be a continual action in your life, you have got to somehow find a way to let it come out of you. In other words, if you have a breakthrough, you've got to pray. Lord, I'm praying. I'm praying for this person. Please give them this breakthrough. Do what you did for me in mercy and love for them. That's how you keep breakthroughs. You give it away. You don't hold on to nothing. Anything you hold on to spiritually that you don't give away, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be like the manna. That's why the Lord said, just get enough for the day. Because if you try to save it, it's going to rot. Many people's spiritual stuff rots on them. Because they flat out, God does something in their life, and they flat set on it. They do nothing with it. They do nothing with it. So we have a church with a world out there dying, okay? Dying. And we're not, back to preaching, we're not going out and telling them, this is what the Lord's done for me. He can get you out of this mess you're in. And we wonder why we're stopped up, messed up. You see what I'm saying to you? You want to stay alive in Christ, you, you guys got to break. I'm giving you counsel. You got a breakthrough, you want to keep it, give it away wherever you can. And if you'll do that, the Lord will move more. Because the Lord's a wise, He's like a wise investor. Okay? He is not no fool when it comes to him, His stuff. If He says, well, Dick Van Heineken, I have poured so much in you. Good gracious, and you have sat on it all these years. What's wrong with you? I'm going to go find somebody else to pour it in because you obviously are not going to do anything with it, Dick Van Heineken. Well, Dick Van Hagen is up here this morning saying, I am going to do something with it. Wherever I am, I'm going to do something with it. If God's given me a breakthrough, I'm going to give it away. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care if people even receive it or not. That's not my problem. My job is to give it, to give it. If they don't receive it, well, I planted a polished water. God gave the increase. If God's the one that's got to bring, you know, bring the thing. So I want to encourage you in that, especially those of you who have gave in the past and it didn't seem like it worked out and got disappointed and got all craggy about it because people wouldn't receive your ministry or whatever and you quit. Well, it's all up to the Lord. It's all up to Jesus. So those of you who raise your hand, what I want you guys to do is I want you to pray for them. And I just want you to pray, Lord, I want you to give them a break. I want you to bring them into a fresh time with you. And touch them, anoint them with fresh oil, exalt their horn, however you want to say that. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the general prayer I want you to do. And then if you feel like the Lord shows you something while you're praying for them, you can certainly, I want you to pray that. But I want you to really pray for these people and ask the Lord to really help them and touch them. Because I believe the Lord's doing it. Amen? So if you raise your hand and you would like to receive prayer this morning, if you would want to come on up now, one of these, these people, they're all good people. Jim, you go ahead. I want to pray for people. I had a specific breakthrough, this, and I feel like this applies to this, too, is that in your marriage, I feel like you go through seasons, you know, of in-season and out-of-season, and that what Byron's speaking of of really being even faithful in your marriage yeah. in-season and out, being faithful to your husband or wife even when you don't feel it. You know, but I had somebody pray for me this week, and it was like, I was just leaving the place that I was at with this person when she was praying for me, and I felt something break off of me. Mm. And by the time I got home, it wasn't like my husband and I had this big conversation and worked through something. It was the Lord gave us a breakthrough, and this weekend it was just like we were laughing. We were, you know, it was like it was a huge breakthrough. And sometimes in your marriage, you need the Lord yeah. to come and say, "Lord, just." 
we're crying out for a breakthrough with you. Mm. Lord, we're just asking for you to take us into that end season with you. And so I really, if anybody really just has, it feels like you're in an out-of-season time, you're in a dry time just in your marriage, I would love to pray for you. And my husband, I'd go get him, but he's back there with the kids. And the other thing I felt like the Lord said um, while Byron was preaching was, the Lord says in His Word that He's not a respecter of persons. And so just because, you know, Marlon or Byron's a pastor or Rhonda's this or that or whatever, that's really not what's going on here at all. Um, I used to really believe that lie, and I'm over it. I'm done because it didn't get me anywhere. So um, the Lord isn't a respecter of persons. This is here for you if you want it. And all it takes is the humility of faith, really, to come and get it. So get it.